Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey, and as always, I'd like to thank you for tuning into the show today, whether you're listening on cnjradio.com, the homepage there, or if you're subscribed on iTunes. Either way, it's very acceptable and much appreciated by myself. I want to thank all of the new listeners that I have. And I've been hearing from you. You know who you are. Thank you so much for taking the time to write me. It always makes my day. You don't know how much I really appreciate it. I write everybody back and I let you know that, but I like to tell you on air as well. So thank you, new listeners. Thank you, consistent listeners, day one listeners. You're all friends of mine. And I actually did get some positive feedback about the last episode, the Alice Cooper episode. Uh, it was great to hear from people that weren't big fans of Alice going in. You know, just, just people that knew him casually. So I, I really enjoyed hearing that feedback, and it was all positive, what I've heard so far. So great to know, great to hear. So thank you so much once again. And I, I kind of bumped this episode back a week, but I'm going to go ahead and do it now. I feel that it's very, very topical still. I'm going to go ahead and do another artist-centric episode. We'll be back to more variety of bands and singers on the next episode. But for now, I better do it now while it's still fresh. I'm going to do the Van Halen artist-centric episode. So come along and shake hands with Van Halen if you haven't yet in your life. For those of you who already have, I promise you non-classic rock singles here. So for those of uh, big fans and non-fans alike, going to play some songs you haven't heard a billion times. At the same time, it's going to be a lot easier because they don't have a ton of studio records. So I'm going to pretty much be able to tackle pretty much everything and then focus on some family tree stuff. We're going to talk about Van Halen, classic Van Halen. Yes, we are going to talk about Van Hagar. Solo Dave, solo Sammy. Going to throw a chicken foot song in here. And... Going to save it till the very end, a brand new song from the new Van Halen album called A Different Kind of Truth. So I'm just going to start from the beginning here and kind of give you an overall layout of the history of Van Halen. Basically just telling you how I feel about all the records and maybe some fun facts along the way. So here you go. I'm going to try something new here. Come along with me. So yes, of course, there's uh, some fun facts about the early years of Van Halen. As a lot of famous bands go, they did not start off with the name Van Halen. They did not initially name themselves after the brothers Eddie and Alex. They were originally called Mammoth, and then they changed their name to Genesis. There you go. <laughs> and, of course, they, they find out a little later on there is another band called Genesis, so they do change their name. And here's another weird one. David Lee Roth, the lead singer, actually gave them the idea to call the band Van Halen. Yes, uh, he thought it was cool sounding. He said it reminded him of Santana. So he said Van Halen, and the rest is history. Uh, for those of you who also don't know, they were basically quote-unquote discovered by Gene Simmons of Kiss in their club days, and Gene actually liked the band so much he flew them down to the East Coast and they worked on some demos with Gene, songs that wound up on Kiss Records, actually. Some of those demos are floating out there. Yeah, Gene actually 
got them an audition with his record label and his management company, and Bill Coin, Kiss's manager, actually passed on Van Halen, which I heard in interviews years later that, of course, that's his one major regret as a manager, that he turned down Van Halen. And he said that the reason being because when they flew him out there and they had him play in their own personal studio, he didn't understand it because he didn't see them in their element, in their hometown crowd, in front of all the people. So he kind of missed that aspect of it. So, so yeah, who knows? If Bill Coin had picked up on Van Halen, maybe they wouldn't have gone down the same path. Uh, obviously, they would not have. So it's a good thing that Bill Coin passed on him so they could go and do their own thing. So this first album, I'm not going to play you anything on this episode off of Van Halen 1. Reason being, a couple of reasons being is I already played a song from it on the very first episode, so go back and listen to episode one of Rock Strikes 10, talking about the great debut albums of all time. And the other reason is there's really no need for me to play this for people that don't know a whole lot about them, because chances are, even if you don't know a whole lot about Van Halen, you know these songs. They play half of this record on Classic Rock Radio. It's like the first Boston album. It gets played constantly. You've heard Running with the Devil. You've heard Eruption and You Really Got Me. You've heard Ain't Talking About Love. You've even heard Atomic Punk, probably. You've heard Jamie's Crying, Ice Cream Man. They're all on Van Halen 1. Of course, not discounting the great album tracks like I'm the One, Little Dreamer, like I said, my favorite Van Halen song, On Fire. The whole album, top to bottom, is a classic essential album. you got to have it. The album has been certified a Diamond Award by the RIAA, which means it has sold in excess of 10 million records. This album doesn't need my help. So we're going to move on. Going to go to a lot of uh, the hardcore fans' favorite album, Van Halen 2, probably because it's not as overplayed on radio. That's got a lot to do with it, I'm sure. But Van Halen 2 is a solid record top to bottom, and you've... I'm sure you've heard these songs as well. You've heard songs like Dance the Night Away and Bottoms Up. Uh, I think, and Beautiful Girls. Of course you've heard Beautiful Girls. They play that all the time on the radio. So not as many big radio hits on this one. Uh, some great album tracks. Some some songs that I know the band still likes playing to this day. Like when I finally got to see a David Lee Roth-led Van Halen a couple of years ago on their initial reunion tour. You know, go out there, play the hits, make everybody happy, and it was great. And they were playing stuff like Somebody Get Me a Doctor. And they played Dead or Alive. So, good stuff. So what I'm going to do here as a representative of Van Halen 2, I'm going to play my personal favorite song from Van Halen 2, kicking off with a real fast heavy rocker. Here you go. This one's called Light Up the Sky. Crash and burn. Yeah, there is a wave of beauty, but you never get love. Crash and 
Light Up the Sky from the 1979 album, The Year I Was Born, the album Van Halen 2, my personal favorite song from that record. And that album wasn't the monster seller that Van Halen 1 was, but it's funny how record sales nowadays pale in comparison to the album sales of yesteryear. Van Halen 1, like I said, sold 10 million. Van Halen 2 did 5 million. (laughs) Not a flop in the least. So we're moving on, 1980, the Women and Children first album. A lot of songs you might know off this record will include In the Cradle Will Rock, Everybody Wants Some, which has forever been immortalized in the movie Better Off Dead, and uh, possibly Take Your Whiskey Home. I hear that every now and then on the radio. But a lot of cool album tracks on this one as well. Uh, I, I was going back and forth with which song to play off here. My two personal favorite songs on here, believe it or not, are Romeo Delight and Could This Be Magic. I love Could This Be Magic. It's a fun acoustic-based song. And fun fact, this is a shout-out to listener Travis. You'll love this one. Nicolette Larson sings background vocal on that particular track. She is best known as being one of Neil Young's main backup singers for years. And that is the only time that a female has appeared on a Van Halen album. But uh, in order to hear that one, I guess you're going to have to get the record because I'm going to play you the other one, my personal favorite, off of Women and Children first. This is another hard rocker, and they played this one on the reunion tour as well. Very happy to hear this one. This is one of the highlights of the night for me. So here you go. This one's Romeo Delight.
album women and children first that album pulled three million units from the record buying public this next one is a is a really interesting example i'm going to talk about the fair warning album very very cool record fair warning was from 1981 and the first you know three van halen albums you know like the first two album covers the van halen logo on it with the band on there and the third one the band's all posing and being all wacky and it's a good time. Fourth album, they went with this like really dark-looking art piece for the album cover. So therefore, people do say it's the heaviest album that they've ever put out. And that's pretty much true. But I don't really hear a lot of differences in the women and children 
first album versus Fair Warning. I think if you listen to them back to back, they sound almost like a companion, like a, a brother-sister album for sure. So go listen to those again and tell me what you think, because I, I think it's one of those cases where people hear with their eyes and not their ears. Both equally great records, though. I remember reading years ago, like in a Guitar World magazine, there was like, I love those artist-to-artist interviews, and it was Billy Corgan interviewing Eddie Van Halen. It was around the time of the Balance album. So I guess that would make it 94, 95, something like that. And uh, Billy actually wrote an essay, kind of a retro review for Fair Warning, and he called it his favorite Van Halen album. So it's got the best tone and uh, just a cool, dark album. So, you know, it's it's hard to argue. It's, it's of course, a very dark-sounding record. And I'm going to play a track that kind of represents that. This is a departure in sound from especially the first two songs I played on here tonight. So th- this is a track from Fair Warning, and you know there's a ton of heavy songs on Fair Warning, like like I just said. But I like this one. This is a really cool kind of nighttime, two o'clock in the morning kind of song. So I'm gonna play it here for you. It's got a nice groove to it. Gonna kick things back a little bit. Here you go. This one is Push Comes to Shove. <laughs>
You know, I think the only thing I could say negative about that song is the fade-out starts way too early on it. I could have taken another three, four minutes of that song, at least, like a nice extended soul jam of the 70s era. But, hey, I wasn't the producer for the Fair Warning album, so it didn't happen. Uh, Maybe one of these days the vault will open up and we'll get that 10-minute version of Push Comes to Shove on the Van Halen box set, but I dared to dream until then. Like I said, that was from the Fair Warning album. And uh, for this next song here, you know, this was a last-minute decision. I literally found this right before I started recording the show tonight. Very happy to share it here with you. This is for the hardcore Van Halen fans. Because I'm going to represent the Diver Down album, but I'm not going to play you anything off that record. You might know where I'm going with this. The Diver Down album is half covers. They do a cover of The Kinks, Where Have All the Good Times Gone. They do a cover of Roy Orbison's Oh Pretty Woman. Martha and the Vandellas Dancing in the Street. And I think probably the only other thing you might have heard on the radio from this is an original called Little Guitars. Very cool song. And they even close out the Diver Down album with an acapella version of Happy Trails. But I tracked down not an original version, but a version that predates a song from Diver Down. One of my favorite songs on this album is their take on a song that dates all the way back to the 20s called Big Bad Bill is Sweet William Now. Really fun song about a tough guy, you know, back in the back in the old West days that gets married and he mellows out completely and he's not a tough guy anymore. It's a fun little tongue-in-cheek song. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to play you like an older version of that song for the show here tonight for you big-time fans. I found a really cool version here that predates Diver Down by about four or five years. This is from 1978. And, you know, every time I heard this song, besides thinking of the old uh, Motel 6 jingles from back uh, and me listening to the radio days, I used to always think this song sounds like a Leon Redbone song. I can totally picture him and imagine him singing this song. As, as long as I've been listening to this record, I always thought, Sounds like Leon Redbone, like and lo and behold, I just found a version of it right here from nineteen seventy eight. Leon Redbone doing Big Bad Bill is Sweet William Now. So here you go, fans. Here's Leon Redbone. town of Louisville lived a man they called Big Bad Bill I want to tell you he sure was tough he said and did strut that stuff he had folks scared to death when he walked by they held their breath he was a fighting man sure enough now Bill took himself a while Guess he leads a different life Big bad Bill is sweet William now Married life has changed him somehow 
Here's a man that they all used to fear. Now the people call him Sweet Papa Willie, dear. Stronger than Samson, I declare, till I had Mama bobbed his hair. Big Bad Bill don't fight anymore. Washes dishes and he mops up the floor. Used to spend his evenings looking for fights. Now he's got to see his mama every night. Big Bad Bill is Sweet William now. special for the Rock Strikes 10 listeners out there. That was the unmistakable iconic voice of Leon Redbone doing Big Bad Bill as Sweet William Now. You can find the Van Halen version on the Diver Down record, which actually features a clarinet performance by Jan Van Halen, Eddie and Alex's dad. And he was a jazz musician in his own right back in the day, so obviously that's where the music bug came from that family. So there's some fun facts there for you. Hope you enjoyed that Leon Redbone song. Kick back a little bit, because now we're getting back to the rock and roll. And after Diver Down, which did better than Fair Warning on the sales, they pulled up to $4 million, so having more radio hits means you sell more records. That's usually the name of the game. The 1984 album was no exception to that. Much like the debut album, it's a Diamond Award winner. It sold in excess of 10 million copies, and for very good reason. This is probably my first favorite album in the world. This is just when I was becoming a huge music fan in 1984. Prince and Van Halen were king at this time for me. And this album, once again, if you're not a big fan, you've heard Jump, you've heard Panama, you've heard Hot for Teacher, you've probably even heard All Wait. And the rest of the album, no exception, great album tracks. This is a scorcher, top to bottom. It's an essential music album, not just an essential rock and roll album, but for music. You need 1984 and the first Van Halen album. If you don't get anything else by this band, those are the ones to get. And then after 1984, massively successful, biggest videos ever, things like that. And the breakup happens. Dave leaves Van Halen to go solo, 
you know, I'd heard from both of them that, especially from Eddie, as far back as the Fair Warning album I was hearing, there were tensions in the band. Even heard of, you know, once again, Gene Simmons pops up into the picture. He said he went out to dinner with Eddie Van Halen back around the time that Ace Frehley had to leave Kiss. And apparently, according to Gene, Eddie did ask to join Kiss. <laughs> and Gene actually said, uh, you better not do that because your band's really good. Why don't you tough it out and see what happens? So... There's a, you know, Gene's persona, you would not think that he would say, oh yeah, you know, you know, that's okay, that's really nice of you to ask, but go ahead and stay with your band. You would think he'd be just like, yeah, come on in, man. But Gene was so serious about the band retaining their anonymity, obviously if Eddie Van Halen were to have joined Kiss at that time and slapped some makeup on, they'd have been like, oh, it's Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> they could have given him any fake name in the world and people would have realized who it was. So, you know, all things work out. Uh, except for the first lineup of Van Halen, apparently, after the 1984 tour. Like I said, Dave went solo, and, you know, there was even talks, uh, according to some parties involved, that the record label, Warner Brothers, didn't even want Van Halen to keep the name Van Halen after they replaced David Lee Roth, because they thought there would be a major backlash there. And, you know, not so much. Weirdly enough, it's one of those rare occasions where a band replaces the lead singer, and they pretty much maintain the same success. What you can say about the Sammy Hagar era, or Van Hagar, if you will, is they did something that the first lineup didn't. For some reason, every album, even from 5150 all the way through Balance, they all went number one. They had a number one album every single time. That's pretty crazy. I mean, 1984 didn't even go number one, but it has a good excuse. Thriller was at the top of the charts for a hundred years, so it stalled at number two. <laughs> what can you do, right? Everybody hit number two when Thriller was out. There was just no way of getting around it at all. It was the Great Wall of China of pop albums. But 5150 comes out with Sammy Hagar at the head there, and you know, it's 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 a damn good record. I like 5150 a lot. The, the only negative thing I could say about 5150 at all you know, without just nitpicking, is going to be the fact that there's electronic drums. I mean, Alex Van Halen playing electronic drums. I mean, after the great drum sound you got from the 1984 album, you're recording in the same exact studio, Eddie's home studio, the 5150 Studios, and you go with electronic drums? Like, was that your idea? Was it someone else's idea? That's a horrible decision. It's one of those things where I wish they could go back and just re-record the drums. I would love to hear a version like that. I mean, I'd I'd say go ahead and George Lucas your history just for that. Because I think that would make the album a lot better, really. And there's some great songs on there. Best of Both Worlds, Why Can't This Be Love, Love Walks In. I like all that stuff. There's some great hard rock and album tracks on there. But the only thing I don't like on the album is Inside, because it's an obvious desperate attempt at keeping that loose improv-like David Lee Roth mood in the band still, and I think they fall on their face on that one, but that's my opinion. But what I'm going to do here, I'm going to play you some Van Hagar, like I said, I'm going to play you the title track from 5150, and it's, this is one of my favorite Eddie riffs ever, it's such a fun, bright, happy riff, this, this opening one right here, so check it out, this is 5150. <laughs> Thank you. 
was the title track from the 1986 album 5150. I don't know why the song is called that, but that's what it's called. <laughs> Obviously they don't say it at all during the course of that song, so it's one of those. But uh, yeah, alright, uh, the next album we're going to talk about is the OU812 album. And it's not an album that I really actually listened to a whole lot. I mean, I, I bought it when it came out, had it on vinyl, I have the CD for it now. But it's probably the one that I couldn't tell you the order of the songs all that much. And that doesn't make it a bad album, I just I just didn't listen to it as much at the time. That probably had a lot to do with the fact that I was more of a Dave man, honestly. I took his side in the whole breakup thing, and I love the Eat em and Smile album better than I love 5150. And just Dave had an excellent solo band when he first started. Steve Vai on guitar, Greg Bissonette on the drums, Billy Sheehan on bass. I mean, this was an all-star blue chip lineup. Love Eat 'Em and Smile. You need to get that record too. And you know, like maybe that was it. I don't, I don't know what it was, but but yeah, like I said, not hating on Van Hagar. I'm gonna play you one of my favorite songs from the OU812 album from the year 1988 personal note here it was the first van halen riff i learned how to play on the guitar so here you go this is a fun sexy rocker here this is black and blue (laughs) 
that was Van Halen with Black and Blue from the 1988 album OU812. One of my favorites from that album. That has a lot of forgotten songs on there, so I do recommend that. The radio songs or popular songs on there would probably definitely have to be Finish What You Started and When It's Love. Those are the big ones off there. So there's plenty of other songs to check out that you might not have heard before. Black and Blue being one of them, probably. So check it out. And going to take a little... Not so much a detour, but a detour from the Van Halen catalog. Uh, Obviously, I just mentioned it before this last song. I'm going to play you something from the David Lee Roth solo era. I'm going to play this song for sure because I was trying to think of what to play, and it really hit me because this is my probably my favorite solo Dave song, and it's not on his solo best of called The Best. I don't know how they missed this song, but I would have replaced a few other songs for this one. This is great, and it really shows off Steve Vai, and it's got, you know, it's it's not stereotypical Dave, although it is in some places. It's very introspective, a little more serious. It's just one of those songs that I really feel, and, you know, definitely a funeral song for me. <laughs> so, anyway, here you go. This is David Lee Roth from the 1988 Skyscraper record. This is damn good. Things we used to do 
David Lee Roth with Damn Good. That's from the Skyscraper album from 1988. That album doesn't really get the same kind of love that Eat em and Smile does, and there's probably a good reason for that for the most part, but I think that album is a lot of fun. I do recommend it. Uh, there's probably a couple of songs that are kind of throwaways. I don't like the title track on it at all, but the rest of it I'm actually a pretty big fan of, so go check it out. It's the same performing lineup as Eat em and Smile. So if you never gave that one a chance, go give it one now. And uh, <laughs> it's funny, I'm not giving this particular album a chance on this particular show, but it's it's not for anything I have to say negative about it. I am going to skip the For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge album from 1991, but that's only because I did play a song off it on a previous episode. I did play Judgment Day, I think it was on the sixth episode, 
when I was making fun of the non-rapture that we had last year. I played Judgment Day off that album. So that's a fun record. It's got, uh, you know, the band sounds great on it, good guitar tone. You know, there's a couple of kind of filler tracks on there, but for the most part, I think it's a pretty solid record. I like it a lot better now, actually, than I did when it first came out. So we're going to skip over to the Balance album. I really like the Balance album. We were talking about how they say that Fair Warning is the heaviest Van Halen album. I think Balance might be, actually. It's very dark. The lyrics, uh, you know, for the most part are pretty dark. You know, there's a couple of nice ballads on there, but it, it does have an overall dark tone. It's the only time they ever used Bruce Fairbairn as a producer, and it's it's very untypical of Bruce Fairbairn records, too. I mean, he did, like, the big Aerosmith comeback albums, Permanent Vacation and Pump, and he's done a ton of records, but he's most famous for those. And then he worked on this album, Balance, with Van Halen in 1995. This was the first time I got to see Van Halen live, was on this tour, and I had a blast. I thought it was a great show. Apparently they weren't getting along very well, but it didn't matter to me. I didn't know at the time. And I don't think they played this song. I could be totally wrong, but I don't remember them playing this. I remember them playing a few songs off the new album. They played Seventh Seal, and I know they played Aftershock and Can't Stop Loving You. Those are the ones I remember the most from that album. But I think they played this, and they played Amsterdam also. That That's a fun little song. But I'm going to play you this one. This is a great hard rocking kind of return to form song for Van Halen at that time. So here you go. This is one of my favorite Van Hagar songs of all time, just because it's so fun and quick. In and out. There you go. This is Big Fat Money. Love saying that. I'm going to say it one more time. Big Fat Money.
some fun left ear right ear thing going on there that's pretty cool that was big fat money by van halen from the balance album 1995 and you know i i thought that album actually probably didn't sell very well but i'm wrong apparently i was just looking at the sales statistics which i have failed to mention for the van hagar stuff i'll just do it real quick 5150 did 6 million ou812 did 4 million for unlawful carnal knowledge did 3 million and balance actually did 3 million as well had no idea. I thought that album probably went platinum at best when it came out because uh, I didn't really hear it on the radio a lot and they seemed to be doing a lot of promotional appearances for it, which usually happens when an album isn't doing very well, but it 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 was even kill with the For Unlawful Carl Knowledge sale, so pretty cool. I'm happy to see that that did well because I really like that album. It's an underrated album, I think, still. So after the Balance Tour... That's when the soap opera really kicks in. You're probably pretty aware of this, but I'll just do a brief little thing here. You know, they do a couple of songs for Twister, Humans Being, and then right after that, they start to work on their Best Of album, and Sammy's not into it. He leaves the band or gets fired, depending on who you ask today. And they bring back David Lee Roth temporarily. He records the two new songs off the Best Of Volume 1. And uh, I I really like those songs. I think they're great. I love listening to those songs still to this day. You've heard those songs, so I'm not really going to play any on the show here. You know, there's this, you can't play them all, and it's Rock Strikes 10. If it was 20, I totally would. And, you know, they... I, I I really, once again, I took Dave's side on this. I really think that he had the rug pulled out from under him. I mean, he wasn't that much of an embarrassment on the uh, Video Music Award appearance. He was just being Dave. If you don't, <laughs> if you weren't prepared for that, then why did you even bring him out if you thought he was going to, quote unquote, embarrass you in the very least? I mean, come on, man. The guy hadn't been on TV in years. <laughs> How would you react? <laughs> but. You know, the reunion that everybody wanted, and it didn't happen. Instead, they get Gary Sharon, and I'm just going to say this right up front. I like Gary Sharon, but not as a singer for Van Halen. I really wanted to. I was totally on board with it. Hell, I was an extreme fan. I thought the album that they did right before they broke up was great. It's one of the most underrated hard rock albums of all time. And so I was ready to like the Gary Sharon-led Van Halen. But I just did not like that record at all. I mean, the the singles on there are passable, but they're all right. But I think the album suffers from a few different things. Number one, they have Mike Post producing the album, who never produced a rock album in his life. Just a buddy of Eddie's brought him in there. I don't like... The production suffers for it, for sure. It's It's not the Van Halen sound... You know, they even when they changed singers, they kept that same sound, and it's not there on that album for me at all. And then the other major factor is Gary Sharon is not singing like Gary Sharon on that album. It's like they asked him to do a Sammy impersonation or something. It's just not there. You know, you, you go and watch some of the YouTube clips where he's performing live with them on that tour, and they're actually good. He's He's being himself, and he's doing Dave and Sammy songs. I think he actually did pretty well on the tour. He did as best as he could have been asked to, that's for sure. So I don't think he deserves a lot of the venom 
from the fans. I think it just suffered from poor judgment, poor management. You know, he's not to blame. Trust me on this one. So, the three album is a big misstep. Obviously, the record buying public responded. It only went gold. It's the only album in the band's history not to go platinum. So, that should tell you a lot there. So, there you go. Moving on. The drama ensues. All of a sudden, Gary's out of the band, and then the band just disappears completely, like off the face of the planet. Hearing rumors like in 99, 2000 that they did actually go back and start recording songs with David Lee Roth again. Nothing seemed to ever come of it. Always hearing rumors that they're going to make big announcements for it. It never happened. Saw an interview with Michael Anthony around that time, and he said he actually confirmed that they were working on material with Dave, but he said the lawyers shut it down. I don't know what kind of lawyers can prevent you from reuniting a band, but what a weird business the music business is. So, yeah, I mean, nothing really happens. Uh, Sammy pretty much takes the reign of the whole Van Halen family tree. He goes on many, many solo tours, puts out many, many records. So good for Sammy, and, you know, he keeps those songs alive on the road. So I have much respect for Sammy. He understands the fans. I truly believe that he gets it. You know, and then, like, later on in the uh, early to mid-2000s, yeah, it was 2002, they go on the uh, Sammy Hagar, David Lee Roth tour. I attended that. I had a blast. It was truly the best of both worlds. That's one of the best shows that I've ever seen because, you know, I just had fun. I got to hear every Van Halen song that I wanted to hear live by the singers that sung them originally. That was great. And then, uh, you know, it's uh, I, I, I know the reason why they did it. They wanted to get the uh, the rest of the band to come out and do the tour with them. That never happened, and I think that would have been cool if they could have done a both singers tour with the original band. Man, I mean, the potential was always there. I know it's got to be super frustrating for like the really, really super hardcore fans, the real diehards, you know, all the things that they could have accomplished, and there's a lot of missed opportunities there. But say la vie. Finally, about five years ago, get word that they're working with David Lee Roth again. And of course, at that point, I've been burned enough times, so I'm like, oh, I'll believe that when I see it. I mean, they announced that they're back together, they're going to go on tour, and then all of a sudden, Eddie's got to go to rehab. I'm like, great. <laughs> this is not good, and it's probably not even going to happen. Watch, Eddie's going to get sober, and he's not going to be able to deal with Dave, and it won't happen. But thankfully, it did. So finally, they go on tour. I went to that tour, had a blast, like I said before, and was just hoping that maybe the time would finally come that they would put out some new material with Dave. Uh, for me personally, the most controversial thing is the fact that the brothers Van Halen have ousted Michael Anthony from the band due to just petty, petty reasons, such as like, you know, always doing shows with Sammy and eventually getting a band together with Sammy. I think it's crap. I honestly, still, as much as I am a fan of Van Halen and still remain one to this day, I think it's absolute crap the way they've treated Michael Anthony. It's not bad enough that they, you know, he he signed away his royalty rights. I read Sammy's book. Michael Anthony voted against himself in signing away his royalty rights of the band, the 25% that he had in that band, because of the pressure that he felt. And it just wasn't worth it to him. He just, you know, he just walked away with, you know, I mean, I'm sure he saved his money because 
Michael Anthony seems like a really content, awesome, happy guy. So that's kind of another reason why I support the Chickenfoot Project. I think Chickenfoot's a lot of fun. It's just guys having fun, playing rock and roll, no more, no less. <laughs> and yes, they are called a super group, but like I said, they don't they don't go for that. They don't seem to. They just want to play. It's Sammy Hagar, Michael Anthony, Joe Satriani on lead guitar, and Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers on the drums. I think they're fun records. I think they should be heard. So here you go. I'm going to play a song by Chicken Foot before we get to the main event here tonight. This was one of my favorite songs off their album that came out last year, Chicken Foot 3. This is just a fun little toe tapper, something to turn up and, and get a speeding ticket to. This one is All Right.
that was Chicken Foot with All Right, or as it should really be called, All Right, 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 All Right. All Right. <laughs> and it's so great to hear Michael Anthony with his powerful backup vocals there, along with Sammy. They complement each other very well. Michael always complimented the band with his great stage presence and perfect, impeccable harmonies. He is the greatest backup singer in rock history for my money. I just, you know, I miss Mikey and the band. I really do. And I, I, that's not me knocking Wolfgang. I, I, he's he's kind of like Gary Sharon. He's not to blame for this. So uh, don't, sh- you know, don't blame Wolf. I, I think he's doing a great job in the band. I really do. I, I He was fine on the reunion tour. Obviously, he's grown up in the last few years. I purchased the brand new Van Halen album, Different Kind of Truth. Bought it last week. Bought the deluxe edition so I could get the DVD and watch him play a little acoustic. And uh, Wolfgang, he actually does have he does have the chops for sure. And uh, if he's playing all that on the record, which I'm assuming he is, he's very cool. Actually, I would compare him more stylistically to Billy Sheehan than I would of Michael Anthony. So that is a, that's that's a compliment, not a backhanded one at all. And he does good harmonies. I watched him do some harmonies with Dave on that acoustic thing and. You know, he's good. He's a good kid. He's very talented. He's only going to get better, which is really scary. And he's probably going to be playing lead guitar after a while. I'm pretty sure about that. But, uh, so yeah, that's me. Like I said, don't don't blame Wolfgang. It's definitely Eddie and Alex's uh, reasoning for why Michael Anthony is not in the band, for sure. But all that being said, I'm gonna f- let's get positive here. I'm going to focus on the positive. Like I said, I bought the album last week. And, you know, I'm sure, like a lot of you out there, when you heard that first single, Tattoo, you got a little frightened there. I mean, that's not a very good song. Of course, musically, it's great. But it's definitely one of the weaker songs the band has probably ever done, especially lyrically. I'm such a fan of Dave's lyrics. And, uh, you know, overall, I just wasn't feeling it. I thought it was kind of hokey and lame. But that's the first song on the album. Once that song's over, the album kicks in. And hey, man, 12 out of 13 songs. That's not a bad score nowadays. It, it's a great album. It's a solid record. I I, I could talk on and on about this. I'm going to do the weirdest thing. I never do this on the show. I'm going to quote a critic's review of the new Van Halen album. Check this out. This is uh, from a writer named Stephen Hyden from a site called the AV Club. I pulled this review off Wikipedia, so I don't ever go to the AV Club. I don't know if they're any good or not, but I love this quote. Here it is. After so many years of fumbling dysfunction that reduced the once-proud Van Halen name to a laughingstock, a different kind of truth matters because it's a reminder of why this band mattered. Roth deserves some of the credit for that. For whatever reason, when Roth is in the band, Eddie Van Halen plays guitar like the world wants him to play guitar. I think that's a great write-up. And I couldn't agree more. And, God, I was just completely struggling with what to play on here. But I think this one is probably one of the better representatives of the new Van Halen album because it kind of gives you a little bit of everything. gives you an idea of where their head is at right now. And it's in a very, very good place. This is track seven on the album. So it's halfway through it, and they hit you over the head with this one. You're going to hear a lot of elements of classic Van Halen, as you should. 
it's no secret that a lot of the material on here is worked stuff of songs that they never put out officially. Not a bad way to go about it, in my opinion, especially for a band that hasn't written together in the longest time. I think this kind of eases them in to a uh, potential future of writing more new material together. Let's hope, shall we? Here you go. This is the closer tonight. This is from the 2012 new Van Halen album with David Lee Roth on vocals. I can't believe I'm saying that still. Like, that sentence coming out of my mouth just makes me very happy. So here you go. This is David Lee Roth, Alex Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, and Wolfgang Van Halen with As Is.
That was As Is by Van Halen. That's the show closer for tonight. You can find that on my favorite rock album of the year so far, Different Kind of Truth. The bar is now set for the year. Let's see if anybody can compete with that one. Time will tell. So stay tuned through the rest of the year, and we'll see you at the year-end show. Already preparing for it as we speak. Go buy the record. If you love rock and roll, you're obviously listening to this show, so that means you have to go buy the record. There you go. Just, I'm such a, such a shill for Van Halen. This is my hour of nerding out on Van Halen. I'm glad you're with me on this one. Going to be back on the next show with a lot more variety. But I hope you had fun. Send me an email like I asked you to last time on the Alice Cooper episode. If you weren't a big fan going in, let me know if your opinion has changed for the better or worse. I'd love to know. I'd love to know what your favorite songs or least favorite songs were from tonight. You can do that by going to cnjradio.com. You're going to find the links to everything you need on there. The iTunes feed, the Twitter account, ooh, Twitter, and the Facebook that's where it all is. Go to cnjradio.com. And while you're at it, maybe you want to tell your friends. You know, like-minded friends. You probably have some out there that like the same kind of music as you do. Please share this with them. You know, I'm, I'm glad you think that this show is yours. But, you know, get, get the word out there. It, it might not hurt in the long run. We'll, we'll see. But that's it for me tonight. Have fun, guys, out there. Join me on the next one. Send me a show request. Because I have no idea what I'm doing on the next one. So help me out. I'm dying here. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you for listening. Guys, have a great night. Bye. Happy trails to you. Till we meet again.